Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. We got um, a lot to do today. And I- Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. I do not think we will cover this lesson today. I think we will do a lot of it today, but we will probably leave the new part, what what I call the new part, which is toward the bottom. We will probably leave that part to next week, because what I want to do today is go over these prefixes a little bit. Uh, I want to uh, 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 talk about Roman meals, and then we're going to read our story. And we're going to finish our sentence we were doing last week. So uh, we got a lot, a lot to do today. So I don't think we'll finish the entire lesson, but we'll do what we can. We'll have fun anyway, right? Uh, okay. Just to review, we had two phrases last week, two new Latin phrases. One was in we know where it toss. In we know where it toss. Anybody remember what that means? In we know where it toss. Mm. It's got something to do with love, if I'm remembering right. Mm. Well, it could in a way, in a roundabout way, it could. Because if you drank enough wine, you would might tell your special person either you love them or you hate them. But no, it means in wine, there is truth. Dan, oh. In, in wine, there is truth. Meaning that when people drink. Well, that's awesome. I think you and Dan are a better fit from the uh, line. Do you think we could mute that, Cindy, whatever that is? I would agree with that. If you can find it, because uh, I think we're good. Anyway, in wino veritas, in wine there is truth. All right, and the other uh, little phrase we had was rara awas. Anybody remember what that means? Rara awas. Is everybody still there? Uh oh. Hello. We're here. Okay. Uh, rara awas means a rare bird. And it's used to talk about something that's very hard to find. And the person that wrote that phrase meant, when he wrote it, he meant that a good woman was hard to find, an honest woman. Uh, he said, "There's you're more likely to see a black swan than an honest woman. Uh, so that's what he meant uh, by it. But anyway, now it's used when you're trying to find something that's really, really, really hard to find. Okay, just want to review a few prefixes. Uh, what does the prefix? What does the prefix pair mean? Pair. It it can mean through. through. Yeah, through or completely. Through or completely. Uh, what does the prefix post mean? After, after, I after guess. like postmodern, postmodern is after modern, uh, postponed to put off till later, uh, etc. Uh, what about um, what about uh, what about sub sub? Uh, is that below? Something yes, like below. under, under, below, okay. subway, subterranean. Etc. Hello, Carla. Super. What does super mean? 
Would that be above? Above. Premium? Above, yes. Uh, What about Trons? Across. Yeah. Okay, very good. Now, those are just a little review of of those, but I want to also go over some new Greek prefixes this week. We're going to start a few Greek prefixes. And I want to do the Greek alphabet. Remember, alpha, beta, gamma, and this is list, these letters are listed in your notes. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. And the letters eta and theta are the only ones so far we've had that are written with different symbols than the regular Braille letters. And the symbol for eta is the WH sign. The symbol for theta is the TH sign. Iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, psi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi. And by the way, phi is written um, in Braille with an F, but it's like P-H-I. Uh, that's the way it's spelled in Greek. Phi. Chi is written with the A and D sign. Psi is written with a Y, and it's like P-S-I. And then omega is written with a W, and it's the last letter. So alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, psi, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi, chi, psi, omega. And now we'll sing our little song. And I'll sing it, and then you can sing it after me, but better mute so we won't uh, bomb Zoom with our voices here. Okay, so it goes, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Then you sing the same thing. Epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. Iota, kappa, lambda, mu. Nuke, psi, omicron, pi. Rho, sigma, tau, upsilon. Chi, psi, chi, psi, omega. Let's do it again. Ready? Alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Epsilon, zeta, eta, theta. Iota, kappa, lambda, mu. Nuke, psi, omicron, pi. Rho, sigma, tau, upsilon. Phi, chi, psi, omega. There we go. Okay. And Carla, for your information, I stole that from the Spanish teachers. That's how they were teaching the Spanish alphabet, using that too. I wrote my own alphabet song. (laughs) Did you really? Well, yours is probably just as good as that one, but in French, we have one too that I use. It was very different. I just use the ABC song in French. And I. A, B, C, D, U, F, or A, B, C, D, U, F, J. Oh, I just go say l'alphabet français, say l'alphabet français. What do you do? What do you do? Maintenant, je peux chanter l'alphabet en beau français. Oh, I don't remember that one. I like that. Yeah. Take care. Yes. Your um, it looks like maybe you didn't correct that where you had the um, 
dots one two three four six for two of the letters i'm sorry you know these notes are a shambles i gotta apologize to you guys ninette has been giving me heck on these notes and she's right um I'll do better next week. They're not as nice as they should be. I got to get them proofread. I, well, I'm I so busy them, writing them that I don't. I told them give them to me to proofread because I'm kind of picky sometimes. So um, which, which set of notes are we doing? The ones you sent yesterday? Yes. 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 Because okay. yes. it has is everything it, you need. Which one is the Y? Is that Psi? The Y is the Psi. The A and D is the Chi. Okay, I yeah. fixed it here, but um, you're going to have to fix it somewhere else. Okay. okay. All right, well, let's look at these new prefixes then, uh, if I can find them. Uh, one second. Um, let's see. There we go. Okay, now these are Greek prefixes, and you will see these uh, prefixes um, in in um, in English, but you, but you won't know that they're Greek because they're not going to be written in Greek letters necessarily. But I'm they're so there. Le- this lesson twenty three is that what yep. you said? Yep. And the first one is ah, that is the a. Now you know we had a Latin. A prefix that was a and it meant from or away from well this one is a little bit like that but this one just means not it makes the negative of whatever it comes uh, up against uh and it can be a or it can be a n it means not or without or having no and um, one word is abyss and I, I tried to look up some of these words in my new dictionary, and my new dictionary failed me wretchedly. It wouldn't, it didn't even find some of these words. But an abyss is, I guess, having no base and no no bottom, having no bottom, uh, a deep place. Anemia is a, a, a weakness in having red blood cells. It means not having red blood cells that you need. And the word the emia part is blood, and so it means no blood is what it really means. And then, of course, you have the term anomy. Anomy is a term you might have learned in sociology class. It means lawless, no law. No me means law. Anomy means no law. Uh, And so uh, you might find others. uh, You might think of other words with this ah on them that makes the negative. Uh, So be aware of that. Amphi. Amphi means both on both sides of, or around, or go around, and we get the word amphibious. When they made an amphibious landing during D-Day, it meant both on land and on sea. Uh, And an amphibian, an amphibian is an animal that can live in water or on land. That's the definition of an amphibian. Uh, Ana, or an, is is a prefix meaning up, back, again, upside down opposite uh, and you get words like analysis now the word lysis and by the way in, in english when you see a y oftentimes in greek that word would be written with an upsilon so the word in greek would be lusis and so lusis means breaking or loosening and ana means up so analysis is breaking something up that is looking at it very carefully uh, 
anabolism. If you remember your biology, you remember your biology, we had three terms, catabolism, metabolism, and anabolism. And anabolism is one. Bolism means building up or bolism means making. And so anabolism are chemical processes that build up. Okay. Anabolism is chemical processes in the body that build up. And then anaphora, I don't know exactly what fora meant. I couldn't find out. But anaphora, in this case, ana means again. Because anaphora is when you say the same word again and again at the beginning of a phrase. Like, I have a dream. Blah, 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 blah. I have a dream. Blah, 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 blah. That's uh, an example of anaphora. Saying the same thing again at the beginning of a phrase. Okay. Anti, against, opposite. Uh, and so, for example, antipodal uh, would mean against, Would I, again, I couldn't look these words up because my dictionary didn't have them, but I think it has something to do with, with podal would be feet, and anti would be against, so I, I don't know. The one I do know is antiphony. Antiphony is when you sing and you have two different sounds. It almost sounds like stereo singing. You have one side of the room saying something and the other side of the room answers it. That's called antiphonal singing. And antiphony would be that style of singing. Nineette, oh, I thought she was talking to me. She's checking with her phone. Apo or op means from, off, away from. And we get the word apostle. The word stele in Greek means to send. So an apostle is someone who is sent from or sent out. Uh, uh, and I could not find a paleon. I looked that up and I could not find it. Okay, Gary, so there I you are. I can't yeah. find these, Gary. Where where are they? I found the there. Okay, Carla, these are under new material. Okay, They're way down at the bottom of your notes. Okay, after where, the story. What's that? After the story? After the story, yes. Right after the story. Right after the last question on the story. Okay, I'll start at the bottom and move up. But anyway, we're done now, so we're going to go back up to the top. <laughs> we're going to go back up to the top a minute here, and we're going to look at some – we're going to review these basic sentences real fast that we had. So we're at the top again. Uh, okay, basic sentences. Uh, remember these. First one is – A gloria and excelsis deo at entera pax hominibus. Gloria and ex, and ex, now in, in classical Latin, we're going to say in excelsis. I'm going to say this in Catholic Latin because that's why you're going to say it. Gloria and excelsis deo at entera pax hominibus. Gloria and excelsis deo at entera pax hominibus. Glory to God in the highest and so forth, then on earth, peace to men. Asinus asinos, susui pulcher. Asinus asinos, susui pulcher. Remember what that means? A donkey, beautiful to a donkey and a pig to a pig. You're right. Okay, you're right, exactly. There? Mm -hmm. No wonder you couldn't find antipodal. Yeah? It's something about, according to Alexa, it's on the opposite side of the globe. And it refers really? to something in particular that I couldn't catch all of it. So it's really? pretty, obscu 
I think it's pretty obscure, so I don't think that's why you didn't find it. Good heavens. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, no wonder we couldn't. No wonder we couldn't find it. Okay. Um, okay well, thank you. I, like I said, I, I, I'm surprised. Uh, if we had a real dictionary, we could look these words up, but uh, the dictionary that I have is no good at all with it. So, uh, anyway, non potestis servire, and I'm sorry, non potestis deo servire et mamonai. Non potestis deo servire et mamonai. You can't serve God and mammon. And that's just showing you that the verb servire takes the dative instead of the accusative. Nemo liber est qui corpore servit. Nemo liber est qui corpore servit. No one is free who is a slave to his body. If you just got to have that extra donut, you're not free. You're a slave to that donut. <laughs> and I have to admit, I tend to be a slave to a donut anyway. Um, Mulier, qui multis nubit, multis non plaquet. Mulier, qui multis nubit. Maltese non plaquet. A woman who marries many people does not please many people. And then hodie mihi cross tibi, a grave inscription, today for me, tomorrow for you. Any questions on those? Now, we had been doing our exercises last week, and I think we did most of the sentences, but I think under letter B, we did not perhaps do number six. Uh, no, that's not right. Maybe it was seven. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was seven we didn't do. Uh, number seven says, Amiki mei mihi semper ignoscunt said mihi numquam parent. Anybody know what that sentence means? It means my friends always pardon me, but they never obey me. And the thing I was teaching you there was that pareo and ignosco take the dative. And then uh, I think the other one we might not have done was nine, which says, I believe my friends, but I harm my enemies. Uh, again, teaching you that these verbs take the dative. And then number 10 she is always friendly to the people and no, I'm sorry. Let me do that again. Um, you are always friendly to people and give them one. Four, one, oh, eight, five, seven, five, five, seven, five. Okay, good. Um, now we have a little tiny reading here and this reading, uh, if you did it, you wondered probably why I put it in here. This is an, an imitation, uh, I called it no use. This is an imitation of Marshall. Remember those poems you read by Marshall where the end of the poem is supposed to be sort of funny? Well, this is a guy that imitated his style. Uh, and this is not a knee slapper, but it's, it's fairly funny in a way. It says, Frustra ego te laudo, frustra me zoele laudis, la, um, zoele laidis. Nemo me, he credits Zoele, Nemo to be. And that means, anyone know? What do you think it means? Anyone got it? I don't think I told you what frustra meant. Maybe I did at the bottom. Frustra means in vain. 
By the way, we get the word frustrated from that. If you're frustrated, you try to do something and can't do it, and you try in vain and you can't accomplish it. So in vain, I praise you. In vain, I praise you. And in vain, Zoilus, what? You injure me. Me, now notice the, the little play on words there, laudo lidus. There's a little, little play on words there. Um, and then he says, Nemo me, he credits Zoele, Nemo to be. No one believes me, Zoelus, and no one believes you. Me, meaning, I praise you, and everybody knows you're a louse. They don't believe me when I say you're a good guy. And when you say I'm a bad guy, no one believes you because they know I'm a good guy. So it's, it's just a little, little cute little poem, like uh, uh, just a cute little poem there. Uh, you know, no one, uh, I pray in vain, I praise you and in vain you injure me. Uh, no one believes you, Zoilus, and no one believes me. So and it's a little play on words. And like I said, they're imitating Marshall. That guy, George Buchanan, lived in the Middle Ages. Uh, imitating him. Now, we have a little story that I read, and I want to take a little time on this story because this story shows you about how the Romans ate dinner and ate breakfast and all that stuff. Anyway, let me talk about Roman meals. The Romans ate three meals a day like we do. Now, whether they ate snacks between meals, I think they did, because if they went to the baths, which they did every day, the Romans, the Romans were very clean people. They went to bathe every day right before dinner. And in the baths, they had places you could buy a snack or, you know, something. So they probably ate a little bit between meals like we do. But uh, they had three main meals. And that is in the, in the morning, they had a meal called Eantoculum, which is breakfast. And that was like in Europe today. That's like, Carla, the, what they call the continental breakfast. All they would eat was some bread and maybe uh, a glass of wine or maybe a glass of water. No coffee, guys. Sorry. I wouldn't have liked that at all. I like the wine. I would like the coffee much better than the wine. But anyway, <laughs> bread and wine or water. What'd you say? I said, me too. And then uh, sometimes they might also eat a, there's a cheese pastry they sometimes they call it a scriblita. Uh, they might also eat that, but uh, very light, very light breakfast, very light breakfast. Not big pancakes and eggs and sausage and stuff like that. Did they have any then butter it, on the bread? Or oh, sorry, no, no, that's a good question. Um, that's a good question, Greg. No, uh, butter. I don't know when people started eating butter, but it was, I think, much later. I think it might have even been an American thing. Uh, no, they might eat a little bit of olive oil on their bread, but that would be probably it. And I'm not saying they might not eat a piece of cheese with their bread if they could get it, but uh, uh, probably not. Uh, olive oil, if anything, olive oil, if anything. Uh, and I don't think they, I don't think people ate butter until even after, the, even in the Renaissance. I really don't know. That's a good question. When butter, when people first began to eat butter. Uh, but they, they used olive oil for so much stuff back then. They put it on their skin. They lit their lamps with it. They ate it. It was a real useful thing. Then at dinner time, at lunch time rather, what we call lunch, they had a meal called prandium. And this was a lunch, and it was basically leftovers from whatever they had for dinner the day before. Now, I want you to notice this. You know, we have a lot of writings in Latin about 
somebody poisoning somebody else and all that kind of stuff. And you got to, you got to say it, there might've been some truth to it. There might've been some people that tried to kill their wife or their husband by poisoning them or their lover, but it might've simply been, there was no refrigeration and they left food out and who knows, you know, that something didn't go bad. Uh, in fact, the Latin word for sausage and I can't remember exactly what that word is, but it's the word from which we get botulism, which is, a, you know, bacterial disease that you can get. Now, so the big meal of the day, the big meal of the day was dinner time, cana, what we call cana. And this is a time where if you were going to socialize, you would, you would bring people together, you would, you would have guests, or this is the time that you would really relax and enjoy yourself. And so we're going to read about a dinner that our family we've been reading about is going to have. So this says, Bona cana hodier, Lucius Marcius Calvus at Uxor, canam finitimis dant. Okay, so it says, Bona cana hodier uh, dant. So a good dinner. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This reading is called Bona Cana. That's the title. I apologize. My lines are all mixed up on this Braille display. A good dinner is what this um, reading is called. So today, what? Today, Lucius Marcius Calvus at Uxor. Remember, Lucius Marcius Calvus is our farmer. We've been reading about in our last couple. I think the last story we had him in was what? Chapter 12 or something. Lucius Marcius Calvus and his wife are what? Daunt. What does daunt mean? They give. They give. They, give. they are giving a canom, a what? Dinner. A dinner. Finitimis. Finitimis. To. To their neighbors, their neighbors uh, or neighbors. for their neighbors, either way, you could say. So they're going to invite their neighbors over for dinner. And now we tell you who their neighbor is. Phenitimus est Quintus Unius Flaccus at Uxor Caecilia. Okay, so their neighbors are named Quintus Junius, Cal Gen Quintus Junius Flaccus and his wife, whose name is Cecilia. Caecilia. Now, what do I tell you about these neighbors? Quator, by the way, I'm sorry, I misspelled quator. I left a U out of it. Quator liberos habet. They have, they have how many children? Five. Four. 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 Four children. Four. All right. They have infantem novum. Infantem novum. A new child, new baby. A new baby. New, new, new baby. baby. Cui nomen es quintus, whose name? Is also Quintus. also Quintus. So they named this little fella Quintus after his father. Filiam Uniorem Amicam Secundi. So they tell you they have a younger daughter, and this younger daughter is what? Amicam Secundi is a friend of Secundus or a friend to Secunda. Yes. She's friendly to Secunda. Secunda is the little girl in our family here. Cui nomen est Flavia. Whose name is what? Flavia. Flavia, and that name means Flavia. blondie, blondie, yellow-haired. 
or whatever. All right, Alteramphiliam cuinomen est unia. They have another daughter. What? Whose name is Luna. Junia. Junia. That's Jun like oh. the feminine. Remember, this guy's name is Quintus Junius Flaccus. And so the daughter, the older daughter, is going to name, be named Junia as well. Is there any reason that Flaccus is written in small letters? You're, you're stupid teacher. Oh, okay. That's all. It I should be cap. No, it should be capitalized. I'm sorry. My wife told me that. At Phileus, <laughs> Cuinomen est Gaius, and a son, son whose name is Gaius. His name is Gaius. All right. And then they tell you, Gaius Decimicus Publio at Unia Marcia. Just trying to set up some relationships here. Gaius is a friend to Publius, or friendly to Publius. And Junia to Marcia. So the, every kid has a friend in this family. The parents are friends and the kids are all friends. You've had families like that. All right. Canom no, non ponon in triclinio. I don't think I told you what a triclinio is, but you might be able to guess. What do you think a triclinio is? It says they're not Table. serving. They're not serving the dinner in I think the. You said the did you, uh, did you say dining room or kitchen? Yeah, dining room. Culina is kitchen. Triclinio's dining room. They didn't serve the dinner in the dining room. Why? Said quoniam tempestas est calida. Because the weather's warm. The weather's warm. Mm. Sub arboribus proximis domui canam ponon. So they put the dinner, they serve mm -hmm. the dinner where? In the trees. Under, Under the, trees, the trees, next to the house. So in other words, they're in the shade, out in, out in the yard, under the trees. They're having like a picnic, you might say. Although the Romans didn't know the word for picnic, I guess. All right. Nunc est hora canine. Now it's time for dinner. So what? Hospites ad sunt. The guests are present. By the way, that word hospites is an interesting word. It's where we get our word hospice from. Although the Romans never meant it to be used like we use our word hospice, because we use hospice for people that are that are going to die. But the Romans also hospital, right? What's that? Also hospital. Um, yes, yeah. I suppose we do get hospital from this too. Yeah. But Maybe the Romans, hospitality? what's that? Yeah, Hosp hospitality. yeah hospitality. That's well, that's hospitality. more what they thought. So the word hospice can mean a guest or a host. It's a person that you would offer hospitality to, and it's a person that you could expect hospitality from. So, for example, let's say Tom Kaufman and I are, are hospites. We're guests, friends, host friends. That means, now I don't like to stay in a hotel. If I were a Roman, I would do my best never to stay in a hotel. So when I go down to Denton, Maryland, I would go to Tom's house, and even if Tom weren't there, I would have a thing, a piece of uh, pottery or something that, that our families had for years. And I would show that to Tom's slaves and immediately they'd let me in his house and I would be able to stay in his house as long as I needed to. Mm -hmm. And when he came up to Carroll County, he could do the same thing with me, whether I was home or not, he could come to my house and expect to receive hospitality from me. Mm -hmm. Now so, you said, oh, go ahead. And so it was kind of a system where, the, and this was something that could go back for generations. It could be that Tom's grandparents and my grandparents were friends. Maybe Tom and I don't even know each other. But if we huh. have that pottery, 
<laughs> we can expect hospitality from that family and we will give hospitality to that family. So it's kind of an what interesting. What was the pottery? What's the name for the pottery? Do you, can you? Uh, I do not know. And, and it wouldn't have to be a piece of pottery. It could oh. be, it could be anything that would show the slaves that I was a friend of that family. It might be a, it might be a thing with, with, um, it might be a thing with Tom's signature on it oh. or with Tom's relative signature on it. Okay. Uh, something that they would recognize as a token that, that he and I are friends. Okay. Uh, it could be a piece of pottery. It could be uh, whatever it was, it would be something that they would recognize as the, a token that we were friends. Hmm. Um, when you mentioned hotels, but they, one reason they didn't stay in them, they didn't have anything like, they weren't really hotels. Oh, like, they had hotels. They had inns. You know, they call them inns. Yeah, but they weren't very good. They were not they? very good. They had beds, uh, but they might have bed bugs. They might have people that got drunk and peed in the bed and stuff like that. They weren't the most clean places. And plus, the, the innkeepers had a bad reputation of cheating you, giving you watered down wine and bad food and not keeping the rooms clean. And so if you could possibly avoid it, you did not stay in an inn. If you could did you always get a separate room or did they have like some of it like communal, like just, Oh no, you always got a separate room, but the beds weren't another thing. The beds were kind of dumb. They were like army cots. They were, they were kind of beds that you could carry in. They were just like a frame with a piece of cloth across the top of it that you would lay in. So they weren't real comfortable anyway. And they weren't real safe, right? Because Well, there are stories, you know, people go to inns and they get robbed or they get killed. Yeah, I mean, if you could afford it and you could deal, you could, you could, if you could keep from it, you would not stay in an inn unless you were poor or unless you, you know, didn't have any friends or whatever. You, you, you would not <laughs> stay in an inn. Um, okay, so it says the guests are present. So everybody's ready. Uh, oh, darn it. Excuse me. What? I, just lost my, I just lost my place. Uh, Mater signum monibus dot. Mater signum monibus uh, dot. Okay. So it says what? Mother does what? Uh, gives, gives the signal to the mon. Well, in this case, Monibus is ablative. She gives the signal with her hands. In other words, she probably claps her hands or snaps her finger. But you're right. It looks like a dative, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and you, but so you just have to get used to it. She gives a signal with her hands. In other words, she claps her hands or snaps her fingers or something. And what? Sarewi, Lydia et Davum, ad mainsam aquam et ma pas ferun. All right. So we have our two slaves. Mm -hmm. Lydia and Davis, they do what? Bring water Terrible. and napkins to the table. Okay. They bring water and napkins to the table and omnibus mapas at aqua monibus dant. Notice, and they give the water and the napkins to all for their hands. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're not going to drink this water probably they're going to wash their hands with it. Hmm. And so they bring uh, water and notice they don't bring soap. The Romans <laughs> did not have soap. There's another time, Greg, 
If you really wanted to clean, you'd put olive oil on your skin. You'd take your bath and then you'd scrape your skin with a thing that looked like a back scratcher and all that oil would come off and that's how they bathed. So kind of interesting. All right. Now it says, Pueri at we here's an interesting little tidbit. Pueri at weary ad main samakumbunt. Men and the boys reclined at the table. Yeah, the men and the right. boys reclined at the table. They lay down on their and propped themselves up on their left elbow. That's the way they ate in Bible times, too. If you read about the Last Supper, you talk about people reclining next to Jesus and that kind of thing. Everybody reclined. I don't know if they thought it was a gentle or drop for the food or what. That's just the way they ate. But notice, here's an interesting thing. The women and the girls, what? Um. Uh, sat at the table. They're sitting at the table. So it's a. This is a very debatable, debatable point, and no one knows quite the answer. Some people say everybody reclined. Most people seem to say men reclined and boys reclined. Women and girls did not. Now, okay, Gary, it's twenty hours. Oh, thank you, Cindy. You're welcome. You didn't have any, this is all present tense, right? This, yes, but you can translate. Okay, that's a good point, though, Naya. But a kumbun is... They recline. They recline. Okay. They are reclining, right? But in Latin, you can sometimes translate the present tense as if it were past tense, and it's called the vivid present. It's like when we in English, you know, you're telling a story about a conversation you had with someone. You say, and I go, I don't believe that. And she goes, yes, you do. And, you know, we, we do the same exact thing in English. Like we know that we're talking present. about a past event, but we translate it as a, as if it were uh, hmm. past or as if it were present. Like historical present. Sort it's of. called the historical present, right, or the vivid present. And But in this story, I know we don't know a past tense, so I just you can just translate these as presents. They recline. By the way, do you, do you, did you see a, an English derivative in that sentence? Um, incumbent. Um, yes, bite. incumbent. What is an incumbent? Well, there's a recumbent bike. That, you know. All right. A, well, what is a recumbent bike? Well, it's when, you know, it's you, you sit into it, you recline in it more. That's right. You recline in it. All right. That's called a recumbent bike. If you're in a recumbent position, you are reclining. You're lying down. Now, what is a uh, what is an incumbent? It's still in an office. Right. Somebody who is who is in office, like if we're having an election, if we were having an election today, Joe, Joe Biden is an incumbent. When we had our election a few, about a year ago, Trump was an incumbent. It means a person that's lying in the office. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tum gustatia in mainsa posita est. Soon the gustatio, the gustatio is the appetizer. The appetizer is placed on the table. And notice what they eat for appetizer. Owa. What are ova? Eggs. Eggs. That's where we get the word ovary from. Ovidot, oh, yeah. all those biology terms. Ova, and this, these would be like hard-boiled eggs. Oh, uh, my. Hard-cooked eggs. <laughs> Nina doesn't like hard-boiled eggs. All right. And oliwai. Oh, what do you think oliwai are? Olives. Olives. And latuka. Lettuce. Lettuce. 
at Molson. Honey wine, sweet wine. Yeah. Okay, so that would be like Coca-Cola or something to us today, I suppose. Uh, they all, they sometimes call this honey wine like a cocktail, like drinking a cocktail. You drink it as an appetizer. Did they mix all this food. up with the lettuce or what? Oh, no, no. No, no, no. You probably have, I think you would have the hard-boiled eggs, and I think you would have some olives, and I think you would have some lettuce, and I think you would just, and that brings up another interesting point that, that I should make. The Romans had knives. And the Romans had spoons, but I don't think the Romans had forks. At least they did not eat with forks at the table. They cut the food up into pieces large enough so that people could eat the pieces with their fingers. And I don't think they had an awful lot of sauces like we, like the French have. You know, it was more, more dry type cooking. Uh, okay, so there's your appetizer. Now, here's an interesting thing. Now, we're going to have a little family uh, ceremony. Tum pater dicit, fawemus linguis et deus colimus. Notice, the father says, he says what? Fawemus linguis. That means we favor with our tongues. Now, to favor with your tongue means you don't say anything bad about anything. Therefore, you don't say anything. Therefore, you be quiet. And so the father is saying, we are being quiet and we are worshiping the gods. Okay. So they're having a little, uh, they're having a little, uh, like we might say grace. Uh, like we might say grace. Mm -hmm. Excuse me a second. I've lost my place again. Every time, I don't know what happens to me. I lose my place on this thing. Okay, here we go. All right. So we are, we are. Uh, being quiet and we're worshiping the gods. All right. And now notice what they're going to do. Uh, I lost my place. Okay. Everybody does what? Stands. Everybody stands. And the uh, and in main saw fundit. And the father pours the wine on the table. On the table. Now, that, that's a little odd, but I guess that's like a little sacrifice they're making for the gods. And probably I would think someone would either he'll pour it on a part of the table that nobody's eating on, or someone would come and, and wipe it up. Or they might be sitting at various tables. I mean, we're picturing this as a long table with everybody sitting around it. But I suspect in reality, there might be two or three tables with three people sitting at each table. Uh, uh, probably, but who knows? Tum pernam et panem cum aspargo et holuscula cum lardo. Ad main psalm ser we portan. All right, the slaves bring what? What are they going to have for dinner tonight? <laughs> Ham and bread. Ham and bread. Ham sandwiches, right? Ham and bread with asparagus. You notice that word asparagus looks just like asparagus in English. And what else? And small onions. Or small uh, cabbages. 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 With bacon. With bacon. There you get your word for lard, by the way. Mm -hmm. as, as brought to the table. All right. Suddenly mother says what? Habemus quoque glires. Now this is a great thing. 
I also have some door mice. We also have some I'm, door I'm sorry, mice. We, now, yeah. let me tell you about these door mice. You all know what a door mouse is, by the way? Mm-hmm. Door, door mm-hmm. mice are, I guess, great big mice. And you, you read about them mm-hmm. in Alice in Wonderland. That's the main place where we hear about them. But the Romans thought door mice were delicacies. They loved them. And what they would do is they would cook them and then stuff them with honey and cover them with poppy seeds. And this was a delicacy at a meal. I mean, man, I mean, they really love this. And I imagine what did you say they are? Hmm? They are what? They're mice? They're mice. They're big mice. Like, and you, they, they would, they would cook them. Stuff them with honey oh, and cover them with poppy seeds. Oh, dear. When I first started reading this, Gary, I the woman was like, oh, no, we've got mice. And I, <laughs> I said a good Yeah, laugh. that's what you would think, wouldn't you? You yes, would. But no, they laugh. love them. Son, optimi. And she says, they're what? Optimi. They're very good. All right. And Lydia glirace, I'd mean some poor tot. And Lydia brings them to the table. And notice the kids. Hey, son, where I up to me? He says, yeah. hey, wow. Wow. These are really good. <laughs> Shouts Publius. <laughs> All right. Tum secundi mainsai positai. Son, now this is a funny thing. The word for dessert. I don't know this for sure, but I think the reason we call dessert dessert is because they take everything off the table and dessert, you know, you, you, I guess the room is looks deserted of food until they bring the dessert course on. I don't know that for sure, but I bet it has two S's. The Romans. So why, I don't why know. would they put, why I would they put know. two S's in it instead of the. Well, desert is one S, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know. I mean, yeah, I, I don't dessert, know. I'm just guessing. Dessert, the verb has one S. Yeah. I know. I agree with that. I don't know. Nine. Anyway, in Rome, in, in Rome, in Latin, secundi mainsi means the second tables. And the reason they call dessert the second tables is that if you were if you were a wealthy Roman in your home, they might actually take the tabletops off the table because they could come off, take them out and bring a second set of tabletops in for the dessert course. Mm. And that's why they call dessert the second tables. By the way, another thing interesting about Roman dinners is now, these are poorer people. These are farmers. They're not real rich. But if you were real rich, one thing you would love to do at a dinner is make something look like something else. So, for example, you might serve chicken, but make it look like peacocks or something. Hmm. Uh, you might serve or you might plan little stupid tricks. Like there's one dinner where someone went to and they bring in two pigs, two live pigs into the dining room and say, which one of these pigs you all want for dinner? And the guests picked one. They took it out. And about 15 minutes later, they bring it, they bring a pig in on a tray cooked. And everybody says, man, how'd they cook that pig so fast? And the get the host says, did you clean that pig? And the slave says, I forgot. I forgot to clean this pig. I just cooked it. And the, the host says, well, you're going to get a beating then because you're serving us unclean pig. And the, the slave says, oh, please don't. Please don't beat me. I'll never forget again. And the guests all say, don't beat him. Don't beat him. So the host says, let's clean it right now in front of us. Clean it right now. And everybody says, please don't clean this pig right in front of us. Please don't do that. But they cut the pig open. And guess what? 
There's no blood in there. Out of the pig comes sausages and puddings. It was another pig. It wasn't the same thing. It was just a little, it was just a little charade just to get everybody interested. It was just a little trick uh, you know, to make, make them think that. So they, they love stuff like that. But anyway, the desserts are coming in. Notice what they're having for dessert. Poma. Apple. Apples. Pure eye. Mm. Pears. Pears. At Cruscula. Mm. Cookies. And cookies. cookies. Yeah. I'll take one. <laughs> she said she was hungry for cookies after reading this story. Tibby do crustula. Uh, I'm sorry. Tibby duo crustula do secunda. Quod crustula amas dicus pater. Dicus pater. So what does he say to her? I'm giving you two cookies, secunda. Okay. Because why? Because you. Because you love them. Because you love. Because you love cookies. Says the father. Father. Okay. And then, popcula ponunt, they what? Uh, they put. They put the cups. They place the cups. They it's place fine. the cups. They put cups on the table for everyone. Uh, by the way, this is not to say they haven't been drinking some before this, a little bit of wine or whatever. But now I guess this is really the time they're going to drink. At Weenum ad mainsam portant, and they bring wine, new wine to the table. Now, this wine, the Romans could, they normally did not drink straight wine right out of the bottle. They could, if they really wanted to have a rip-roaring party, they could. But most of the time, they would mix the wine with water, and every guest could mix his own wine with the water as he saw fit. So if you didn't want to go home with a headache, you would mix it pretty weak. And if you wanted to really lay one on, you'd mix it pretty heavy. You wouldn't mix it with much water. So depend on what you wanted. And they're going to drink toast. Bene Tibi Quinte et Bene Novofilio. Bene Tibi means literally well to you. May it be well to you, that is. And so here's to you. Here's to you, Quintus. And here's to your new son. Says Lucius. Mm -hmm. All right. And Quintus says, Bene tibi amike me. And good to you, my friend. Yeah. Here's to you, my friend, says Quintus. At Bibunt. And they drink. Drink. Okay. And probably everybody's drinking a little bit. This is like, you know, after our dinners, we, we probably have coffee or tea or something sometimes, especially in France. That's one of the things my sister did not like about being in France was you have the dessert. Then they bring the coffee at the end. She liked to have, and I do too. I like to have the coffee with my dessert. Mm -hmm. some and there's no distinction, right? The children get the same thing, right? The children, uh, yes, they could, they could drink it, but the, I imagine the adults would not let them drink a lot. And, you know, this is a family that is not, they're probably not going to really be big drinkers, but if you really wanted to have a drinking party, you'd probably send the kids out, you know, in real, in real, if you were a wealthy family, you were really going to rip one on, you'd probably send the kids out. This when is I nice was thing. in France, I really preferred that the coffee came later because the coffee was so strong that you couldn't really taste the dessert. And the, some of those true. French pastries are such fine delicacies. They oh, they're so delicious. Good. I would die over there. I'd love to go back to Paris. I, I really would. Sure. I might spend some time there. 
I'm sure. All right, post Canaan after dinner, what would you expect? Libere Ludun. I think we've had the word Ludo somewhere. The children played. At parentes Malta de Agris de Animalibus de Alteris Finitimis inter se dicunt. Inter se dicunt means they say it, they talk among themselves. themselves. That is, mm-hmm. they talk, right? They talk Malta. Much. A lot. About what? De Agris. Far. The fields. The fields. fields. De Animalibus. The about the animals. animals. De Alteris Finitimis. The other neighbors. Yeah, other in other words, they talk about other neighbors. You know, like typical people would do. Tum tempus discatere. It's time to go now. Wale unia dicit marcia. Bye. It's wale. You bye, that? bye. Bye-bye unia, says marcia. <laughs> Cross for tasse epistulum habebo. Et tibi am legum. Maybe tomorrow I will have a letter and I'll read it to you. She thinks her Sweetheart's going to send her a letter and she'll read it to this other girl. Wale te omnibus, mater deacon. Goodbye to everyone, mother. Goodbye to everyone. Very good. And I'll let you answer these questions to yourselves. And that's good. We got through that. Anybody have any questions on that story? That epistolum um, tells us, you know, letter, epistle. um, Yep, yep, yep. Letter, epistle. It's so nice to see those things. And, and that's what I try to get across to my students about um, the relevance of Latin. And they, they just, you know, if they could just get as excited as we do, I would, yep. I'd be happy. Well, and they, they're surprised. And I think we were surprised when we found out things we never thought of. Why do you call a letter an epistle? You know, why? And is an epistle like a female apostle? You know, that's what somebody said once. So I mean, why do we say words like that? Well, it's because of Latin. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, and I think that's what our kids sometimes say. You know, I had a kid one time that he was in a graphic. He didn't even like Latin much. He didn't like Latin, but he got through it and he went into a graphic arts class and he was sitting there and they, somebody said the word ascent, you know, like he made the ascent. Or maybe it was descent. I don't know. And he said, I know that word from Latin. And it turned him around. And the man from then on, he got A's in Latin. Simply because he got turned on by the fact this really is helpful. You know. So anyway, I think we're about out of time. No, you're not. You still got a minute till two minutes. Okay. Well, next week, guys, please do the last part of this lesson, which is about the commands, which is about the imperative. It's really now easy. it's two minutes. It's really easy. And I don't even think I need to explain it. Uh, basically, though, I will. You take the RE off of the infinitive, and that gives you your singular imperative. And to make your plural imperative, you add TE, and that gives you your plural command, except in third conjugation where the E changes to I. So like you say, you know, agite. Uh, but it's really easy. And there are four irregular verbs. We don't say dike, we say deke. We don't say duke, we say dupe. We don't say fake, we say something that sounds very naughty, fock. And we don't say fare, we say fair. So those four verbs have an irregular singular command form. And you can remember that by saying deke, duke, fock, and fair ought to have an E, but it isn't there. And that's how you can remember those irregular verbs.
So look over that and try to do your exercises. And we'll go over that next week. And uh, it should be pretty easy, pretty easy week. And we'll maybe review prefix. Maybe we'll get into the Trojan War again next week. We've sort of messed up with that, but we'll we'll get back to it next week. And I'm sorry we'll miss Cindy probably next week. Yeah, but, uh, I'll be back in the office next Tuesday. You'll be back to the grind. Yeah. So, anyway, any other questions, comments, snide remarks, anything? <laughs> Gary, you are great. I have. I just love this. I'm glad it wasn't boring to you today. No, not one single bit. Oh, well, God bless you. It's interesting to see how this Latin, um, you know, being a linguist myself, how it influences the other languages, how, you know, in Spanish, Mm -hmm. you get your subjunctive and your command forms, and they're the opposite vowels, ending vowels. Yep, exactly. The the commands in Spanish are more like the subjunctive, whereas in Latin, they really aren't. They're, They're really, like I said, the stem. I think in Spanish they were more like the subjunctive. If I'm if I'm thinking right, anyway. It depends on if you're talking about your familiar commands. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Command, your familiar commands were not. Another thing is tough with the Spanish and the French is putting the pronouns in the right place, whereas in Latin we don't have to worry about that too much. You know, like the object pronouns. Um, anyway. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Cindy. And uh, look for the recordings. Look for the recordings. I think you'll you'll find it. Thank you. See you later.